Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 10th day of February 2024. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and I guess, folks, the best way to start off our review this week is to take a look at some things that happened in the last 24 hours or so heading into the weekend. Primarily, of course, Tucker Carlson dropped that interview with Vladimir Putin that has provoked the left to a state of apoplexy. How dare he conduct actual journalism? And they're so upset with the entire concept that they want him executed, or at least arrested and charged with treason under the Espionage Act. And isn't that a kick? If you're politically correct enough, you can sell secrets outright, or at least hide them in your garage behind your Corvette and get away with that. And, of course, you can certainly let foreign invaders into the country and join up with their military forces by the millions, and that's okay, too. But don't you dare try to let the American people know what's being done to them. So I guess with that on the table, let's start there with the Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin in Moscow. And uh, it's the contrast there that I think is really stunning. So before we do that, let me quickly lay out a couple of things by way of contrast that came out almost simultaneously late in the week regarding the Biden Fuhrer and his senility and his uh, whether he is competent and, or not to stand trial for the very same things that they want to send uh, Trump to jail forever for, at least one of those things. And so here's the summary from Zero Hedge. My memory is fine, fumes the Biden Fuhrer, before confusing the president of Egypt, Sisi, with the president of Mexico. And he's been talking to dead people all week, the story notes as well. Earlier in the week, he raised some eyebrows when he couldn't remember the name of the president of France and confused him with an earlier one from decades ago, Francois Mitterrand. Then the story came out that so-called special counsel Robert Herr, as expected, sold out and caved. And here's a shocker. He said that he would not bring charges against the criminally evil traitor masquerading as president because he mishandled documents because, after all, he is senile. He is, quote, a, an elderly man with poor memory. And that's an excuse, I guess. Uh, again, if you, um, if you have the nuclear football in your hand and uh, you don't have anybody willing to stand up and say the emperor not only has no clothes, he has no brain. So he then proceeded to give a press conference, and the claim was maybe the press conference would show that he is competent to stand trial after all, not as senile as people think. But as Zero Hedge notes, it didn't go well, no. And ultimately, what he did is he proved that he was not competent to stand trial. He failed on that score. And what was ironic, they noted, was all of this happened within literally just minutes of the time that Tucker Carlson released the interview with Vladimir Putin. And um, even though Putin essentially gave a history lesson right up front and Tucker Carlson felt compelled to put kind of a disclaimer in there saying, no, he's not obfuscating. He really thinks this is important. So listen to it. But what we do know is if you watched even a bit of it, you saw that here was a, a man who was in command of his faculties right there. The, re the leader of the, uh, well, the, no, the fake leader of the no longer free world is absolutely a buffoon, an incompetent moron compared to somebody like Vladimir Putin. And that certainly looks bad even for those that hate Putin and want to call him the evil satanic force that's uh, almost as bad, for example, as Klaus Schwab and uh, Yuval Noah Harari and all those other people that are trying to destroy the world. So it, it was dramatic, I think, to watch Putin give a history lesson and uh, realize that he had command of dates and understanding of history that is completely lacking from what disgustingly now passes for leadership in the United States. One other thing I noticed during part of the interview as well, and that is it looks like Vladimir Putin has enough of a command of English that he understood the questions from Tucker and some of the back and forth before the translator could even completely repeat them to him. 
That could be the way the interview was edited, but it also could be that he has a better understanding of the language than, say, a fake president like Joe Biden, who certainly doesn't know or care what words like shall not be infringed mean. But what was interesting was if you watched his response in Russian, you got an idea that what he said was more cogent and more understandable to Americans. This is a real problem than what Biden says before he walks into a wall. And that I can't help but think is probably the real reason why the left has had such a hissy fit that Putin was interviewed on TV by the likes of Tucker Carlson. And Biden can't seem to answer whether his diapers need changed or not without a teleprompter. Well, folks, from there, I guess the best way to continue filling in the gaps and taking a look at what's happened this week is to start from the beginning, like over the last weekend. And as I'm sure you've already heard, the Biden Fuhrer, or those pulling his puppet strings, obviously, decided to go ahead and try to up the ante in World War III. Let's attack Iran and Syria, and uh, no doubt about it, more to come. Perhaps the only good news on that front is no nukes yet, but they'll keep trying. But the news that really got my attention, and there were several stories, a matter of fact, a whole lot of them vying for the number one leadoff slot today. So many candidates to set the tone, but ultimately they all have one really important, really undeniable thing in common. They are in your face, slap you right across the teeth, indications that the deep state and the traitors that support it, and that's a whole hell of a lot of them, folks, are not only all on the same page, they don't care if you know who they are and what they're up to. And it turns out it's obviously not just hubris. It's more like they're double-dog daring you. You know what I intend to do, and you ain't going to be able to stop me. Yeah, as George Carlin said, there's a big club and you ain't in it. But not only that, if you're not in the club, they want you dead. And they don't care if you know that, too. So I'm going to start with the most obvious story and then work my way up to the one that otherwise would have let off today. And the reason why I'm saving it is because it's so subtle that we need to spend a bit more time on it. First, this one from the traitors, and I use that term, well, probably as an understatement, masquerading as senators that have come up with a so-called bipartisan agreement. And you know what that means. The Uniparty has both wings of that evil bird of prey flapping in unison. And let me just go with zero hedges coverage because it's probably the closest thing to a halfway balance. Now that the House has gone full Israel or bust, the Senate and the traitors that run that body have come up with a $118 billion budget-busting bipartisan agreement, which would allow another one and a half million illegal invaders, gang members, and foreign troops to enter the U.S. each and every single year. That doesn't count the ones that slip through the same way they are now. Allocates $2.3 billion towards NGOs and other organizations which support the treason. How's that for giving away the farm? Gives $14.1 bucks in security assistance to Israel. Well, at least somebody there cares about their borders. Oh, yeah, and let's not forget Ukraine. Those borders really matter a hell of a lot more than Texas, Arizona, or New Mexico. $60 billion bucks to the guy that plays piano with his penis in Ukraine. Who says incompetence doesn't pay? And the bill also locks in the green card giveaways, the incentives for the invaders to come on in, pick up your weapons, and go to your cells until 2030. And if you're not angry, folks, there's one simple reason. Either you don't know what's going on or you're simply not paying attention because this is treason being rubbed in people's faces. And by the way, the guy who gets the credit among the rhinos, one of the worst of the worst, Senator Sick, James Lankford, sellout from Oklahoma whose own state legislature censured him last week, but given the 17th Amendment, they couldn't do what they otherwise would have and recalled his ass back to Oklahoma, maybe put him in jail, along with other traitors like Chris Murphy, communist from Connecticut, and Kirsten Cinema, one of the communists who's there because she stole the election in Arizona. TGP's coverage, by the way, reminds us that the bill was negotiated in secret. Does that surprise you in the least? 
between those evil traitors with support from Senate Majority Leader, the anti-constitutional hero of the far left, Chucky e. Schumer, Senate Minority Leader, the traitorous Mitch McConnell, no surprise there, and of course, representatives at least of the double-diapered sock puppet. I do think this is key too from the same piece. Speaker Mike Johnson from Louisiana and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana posted strongly worded statements denouncing this bit of crapola, while freshman Representative Mike Collins of Georgia expressed his opinion more colorfully, putting it this way, quote, This bill is the worst screwing in the Senate since that damn staffer filmed his porno on Clochabar's desk, unquote. Okay, and maybe that's an understatement. And here's the key. Essentially, the bill allows 5,000 illegals per day into a no longer free country. And isn't that wonderful? 10,000 might have been too much, but the rhinos are happy to say, oh yeah, a little bit of invasion, maybe we'll allow you to up the percentage that are MS-13 and Communist Chinese PLA. It's just fine with us, as long as we continue to get our goodies and uh, have access to the bunkers when the rest of you people get overrun and killed, as they intend to and as we intend to allow. I'll skip the literally traitorous details, but I do think Representative Steve Scalise's comment is uh, apropos. Quote, let me be clear, he said, the Senate border bill will not receive a vote in the House. Here's what the people pushing this deal aren't telling you. It accepts 5,000 illegal immigrants a day and gives automatic work permits to asylum recipients. Literally a magnet, he said, for more illegal immigration. Now, folks, I've used the word treason advisedly several times here, so I do think it's important to turn to the Constitution, because none of these sons of you-know-what that signed off on it ever would, and tell you what it says about this. Article 3, Section 3, quote, Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort, unquote. And any questions? Oh, I know. Why hasn't every single lying scumbag who put their hand on a Bible and lied and then voted for this abomination already been arrested and sent to jail awaiting trial for treason? So with that on the table, this is kind of telling. Traitor from Washington, Senator Patty Murray, sick, chair of the Senate House Appropriations Committee, claims that this abomination represents weeks of good faith negotiations, one communist to another, balancing domestic concerns with international aid needs. Said this traitor in a statement, quote, as Ukraine runs low on ammunition to fend off Putin's brutal invasion, the hell with you people in Texas, it is imperative we finally extend our support, unquote. So, yeah, we're going to defend Ukraine's borders to the death of more Americans and to the complete elimination of all of our defensive ammunition. We don't care about that, obviously, or we'd be using it where it mattered. So screw you and the horse you rode in on. The American people can go to hell because we intend to defend anybody else in the world except those who we have a constitutional obligation to. I'm going to take a couple deep breaths here, and then I'll continue. But let's be clear, folks. The United States is bankrupt, dead broke. The dollar is over. Stick a fork in it. And these blankety-blankers are basically saying, well, since it's dead anyway, let's just go ahead and open the gates, let the invaders on in. And then when it collapses, people will have a lot worse things to worry about than the fact that their dollar doesn't buy anything from Walmart's empty shelves. I'll pause for now with a couple of comments from Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who, while he's been selling out quite a bit himself lately, at least had the backbone to say no to this monstrosity. Quote, I've seen enough. This bill is even worse than we expected and won't come close to ending the border catastrophe that the, I can't say it, got to add one word, fake president has created. As the lead Democrat negotiator proclaimed under this legislation, quote, the border never closes. And he said if this bill reaches the House, 
it will be dead on arrival, which is about the only good news in here, other than at this point the traders have self-identified. And as you've no doubt heard by now, there was so much backlash and so many people had had it with the sellouts in the Senate that even the likes of a Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham had to turn tail and run. They felt the heat, saw the light, and even Lankford, too, had to back away from his own abomination. But doesn't mean for a second that they're through, and you know that. For example, before the week was out, we had this from Zero Hedge. Go F themselves, said the headline. Rank-and-file Border Patrol agents are livid over the Senate funding deal and probably the fact that they're going to keep pushing it. They called it a catch-and-release of illegal immigrants that will continue if any abominations like this are implemented. And you know that's what they're going to keep trying. Said one Border Patrol agent, quote, now that I've seen more of it, they can respectfully go f*** themselves. The more I'm seeing, the more it just puts what they've been doing in writing. You want to shut this down, it's real easy. Team up the DOD with DHS and let us enforce like we were supposed to, said one agent to the caller, adding, I feel like we're the only nation in the world that's this dumb about the border. Another asked, seeing the way that the statistics were being manipulated, did America's enemies write this thing? And I guess the answer is, we know that. Yes, they did. And while we no doubt have more on that front, folks, and will continue to, I want to change gears, but not focus, because this is the other story that I think really must get more attention than you know it will, at least until it's too late. From the Communist House of Traders and the Denver version of the swamp, where, according to Jim Hoft and TGP, the state legislature has introduced a bill that could see and is intended to, uh, well, be a harbinger of things to come. Don't forget that for a second. It could see a pet tax imposed on every non-livestock animal in the state. Now, I know what you're thinking. These people are obviously already willing to have their kids taxed and even their genitalia cut off. Why are they going to care if somebody comes and taxes or kills Fido and Fluffy? And we register your guns. Why not your goldfish? Well, stick with me, folks. You'll see. As George Orwell put it, the future is about a boot stomping a human face in the dirt forever. And putting up with this is a big part of that. But it's even more insidious still. Here's the story. A bill called HB 24-1163, sponsored by evil communist Regina English, requires Octum all pet owners. And you're not an owner, folks, if you have to register them. That's a bald-faced lie. Don't believe that for a second. Let's put it this way. It requires all the slaves that the state declares to be pet guardians to register their animals. Well the state's animals, in a state-run system with fees that critics are calling exorbitant and unnecessary. Full stop. And did you catch that? The critics, folks, entirely missed the point. It's not about the fees. It's about the fact that if you have to register it, it isn't yours. And guess what? Neither is your body, as you're going to see. Because remember, slaves can't own anything. It's called the Pet Animal Registration System and the Pet Animal Registration Act stipulates annual registration for pets with a sliding scale of fees that seem to punish those without the means to pay. And uh, don't worry, they're intended to be the first to starve. Pets are just a step along the way. I'll come back to the ridiculous, asinine, in-your-face, insulting fees in just a second. Remember, those aren't the real point. The real point is getting the foot in the door and recognizing that you're a slave. You don't get to own anything. And if we allow you the privilege, you pee on you, of maybe keeping a goldfish, we're going to tax the hell out of it. Because once you can't afford to eat, and we force you to eat grubs and mealworms, we don't want you to have so much as a goldfish to even think about. 
However, U.S. ARC, quoted in the story, says that the burden on a family under this bill that have a hundred fish in an aquarium could cost the owners, sick, up to 2500 bucks a year without jumping through all the right hoops. And if you don't like that, they're going to fine you. Unaware pet owners, sick, with unregistered aquarium fish could face fines up to $10,000, for example. Because the Department of Agriculture, sick, tasked with creating and maintaining the designated online pet animal registration system, allows for fines of up to 100 bucks per unregistered animal. Even a kid's ant farm doesn't escape Big Brother's notice. And hint, you can't afford that for sure. Here's part of the crux of the story and also, folks, part of the intended cover-up. The state's overreach, says Jim Hoff for TGP, into private lives with this anti-constitutional abomination of a registration system has pet owners questioning the true motives behind the bill. Ah, come on. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? Stupid as stupid does, Mrs. Blue. I guess But this goes way beyond stupid, folks, and it even goes way beyond evil. It's so in your face that it's intended, I will suggest, as a deliberate slap across the jaw. Because if you'll put up with this, and they already own your kids, you're not merely a slave. You're literally dead already. But that's not what worrying me. It's how to do it. These things must be done delicately, or you hurt the staff. Yeah, Toto, you better run. You know the Wicked Witch would have loved this. The bill claims that it's about providing pets with designated caregivers during emergencies. Maybe they're afraid that you'll eat your pets when you can't provide food for your kids. And honestly, folks, I would trust the Wicked Witch of the West with my dog before I would Democrat Regina English. Which leads me to the place where I part big-time company with even the critics here. There's a hearing set for February 22nd. It says at the state capitol, opponents of the bill are gearing up for a battle. They argue that this bill is a thinly veiled attempt at revenue collection rather than a genuine effort to improve animal welfare. Over eh. two. It's about controlling and letting you know who's boss and who doesn't have any rights whatsoever. Because, claim critics, by imposing this pet tax, Colorado's setting a precedent, well, that part at least is true, that animal companionship is a luxury afforded only to those willing to pay for government surveillance of their furry friends. And later, of course, folks, you'd better have a good socialist credit score and be, well, taking all the right marks. Or guess what? You're not going to be allowed to have anything, especially a dog that might defend you against the invading hordes that are intended to come too. Once they shut the power off, they don't even want you to have a barking alarm, it would seem. And now let me ask the obvious question that I hope literally everybody who's been paying attention and watching the sequence of tyranny here play out ought to be thinking ahead to. How long until these same deep state scumbags decide you won't be allowed to buy dog food or cat food or hamster food or fish food without having the proper registration? Duh! Remember, folks, and it's happening now, don't kid yourselves, when old folks who couldn't afford hamburger or even rice and beans decided cat food looks pretty good compared to the alternatives, and they were eating it, well, guess what? They're going to head that one off at the pass. Jawohl, you will eat bugs until you will like it, until you will have no alternative, not cat food or even a cat to eat. The bill summary, among other abominations, declares that it requires the commissioner of the Department of Agriculture to develop, implement, and maintain an online pet animal registration system. 
Oh, quick aside, folks. Note that they will register livestock long before they implement this. Done already in most communist jurisdictions. What that means, of course, is that if they declare your chickens to be substandard, they can come and do exactly what they've been doing. Kill them all and bury them in a ditch. And the same thing goes for your cows or your goats or any other animal that is registered as livestock. Don't think that the purpose is anything else, even though, as you know, they continue to lie. Because the intent is that when the hammer drops, and you can see it on the rise now, you will have no alternative. Back to the text from hell here. The bill also requires a pet animal owner, sick, to designate a caregiver for the owner's sick pet animal, who's responsible for care and safekeeping during an emergency and must agree to be responsible for the pet animal. The bill also specifies that to own or think you are allowed to have the privilege of being a guardian of the pet animal without registering so-called pet animal, or if you refuse, you slave you, or fail to comply with the provisions of the bill, or if you make a material misstatement, you slave you in a registration application or a registration renewal application, or if you make a misstatement to the Department of Agriculture, or if you refuse to comply with the rules and regulations developed by the commissioner, that is unlawful and you will be punished. The unlawful act is punishable, and I'm quoting, by a civil penalty in amount set by the commissioner but not to exceed a 100 bucks per unlawful act. And in the case of an aquarium, folks, that might set you back a bit. It's intended to. You slaves must know who you serve. And don't you forget it. And if the commissioner is unable to collect the civil penalty, we have ways of making you pay. So, folks, why do I think this is so important? I've spent quite a bit of time on it. Why is it such a uh, sign of the times? Well, you've heard the term the Overton window. This is certainly an attempt to move the Overton window and condition people even more to the fact that you slaves, you, you can't even own a dog without our permission. And if you don't like it, we'll come and take him away. Oh, yeah, right after we take your guns, because we don't want you defending your life or your dogs with anything that you slaves aren't allowed to have, don't you know? And therein lies the rub, folks. They're telegraphing their moves. And at least for now, I have hope that if people might let their kids have their breasts cut off or their genitalia removed, maybe, just maybe, they'll draw the line when it comes to taking their dog. I can't help but think the rationale goes something like this. Well, I won't let my kid be injected with the Zyklon B. Oh, well, okay, maybe if it's a requirement to put him into the public indoctrination centers, I'll go along with it. But if they go the next step and actually do detach some part of his body, then maybe I'll speak up. But that won't happen, will it? The neighbor's kid? Oh, yeah. Well, I see that little Billy has become little Janie, and my kid's had a skull and crossbones tattooed on his forehead, thinks transgenderism should be subsidized, and did kill one of the neighbor's chickens after he saw it exhale some carbon dioxide. But when they come and take little Fifi, I may have to seriously consider being upset about it. After all, that's why I registered her, right? From there, this item. Let's call it a word to the wise. In a recent appearance on Real Time with Bill Mayer, the leftist who occasionally gets it right, but basically is still carrying water for tyranny, an activist and rapper called Killer Mike, a.k.a. Michael Render, made headlines by refusing to endorse the Biden Fuhrer for re-election in the upcoming race against President Donald Trump. During the conversation, 
Mayor repeatedly pressed Killer Mike about his opinion on the election. And rather than caving in and saying, oh, yeah, got to love Joe, Killer Mike stressed the need for voters to focus on policies that will impact future generations rather than getting caught up in the cult of personality, he said, that often surrounds political figures. Quote, pick your policy, not your person, he advised urging the public to pay attention to the policies endorsed by all candidates, including those that might be considered long shots. So, persisted Mayor, that means you are for, well, answered Killer Mike, that means I'm for black people and happy Black History Month. But Mayor pressed on, pushing him to choose a side between Biden and Trump. And, says TGP's coverage, Killer Mike skillfully navigated away from a direct endorsement and remained neutral while still expressing his preference for the policies of communist Bernie Sanders, whom he previously supported. This time he said, I'm going to keep my mouth closed. But Mayor wasn't giving up. Can't you get yourself to say, vote for Biden over Trump, unquote? And the answer, in short, was uh, no, he wouldn't. And guess what, folks? Just two days later, after winning three Grammys at the Cryptocom Arena in Los Angeles, Killer Mike was arrested for a misdemeanor. But at least the message seems to have been sent. But not to worry, folks. Sources said it's not at all what it looks like. And we will be right back. Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. I am still your host, Mark Hall. And while the week got off to a bang-up start, by Tuesday it was almost looking relatively dull by comparison to the uh, chaos we're getting used to. So as I was pondering how to begin this segment, I couldn't help but think, you know what, we're getting to the point where a slow news day is any day where there isn't some kind of a massive political crime that's been revealed, or maybe nuclear war. At least that's how it feels of late, simply because we're so used to incredible, unbelievable things being reported as if, oh yeah, they didn't really matter, and they've been happening all along. They just call them conspiracy theories, of course, until the hammer drops. Or the left tries to get you to believe that evil really is good after all. And that's how ultimately I decided to kick this segment off, because this first story literally combines all of those elements. Pete Baker of the New York Times is mad, says the coverage from the Gateway Pundit, that Republicans are daring to try to impeach the criminally evil, unelected and fake president, Joseph Robinette Biden, along with Alejandro Mayorkas, the invasion's capo de tutte Trojan horses, 
and a whole host of others. And he actually claims that it is, are you ready for this, Republicans who have now reduced impeachment to a partisan political weapon. You see, it's only a crime when they get caught doing it. Does anyone working in the media, asked Mike Lachance, have even an ounce of self-awareness? I have to ask it this way, folks. Have they no shame? Do any of them realize that most people can still remember more than what's happened in the last 15 minutes? Democrats impeached the actually elected president, Donald Trump, twice over absolutely nothing, says the author. No, it wasn't nothing. It was what they did and then accused him of doing. But now they claim impeachment is just a partisan political weapon. All right, briefly, here's a bit of this BS from the NYT. Quote, if the House follows through on this week's committee recommendation and impeaches Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Achtung Security, what a sick joke, It'll be the first time in American history that a sitting cabinet officer has been impeached. Okay, do have to pause for just a second here on the quote. The only real question, folks, is why the hell hasn't it already happened? If we still had a rule of law, he'd have been convicted by now. And says a related story from the Daily Mail overnight, House Republicans were unable to impeach Mayorkas for his treason at the southern border in what they called a nail-biting vote of 214 to 216. Yep, the traitors won. It came down to the wire and sparked chaos on the House floor as four rhinos, who are probably just as guilty, and that may be the reason, voted against the obvious. Marjorie Taylor Greene said after the vote, she'll bring the impeachment before Congress again once House Majority Whip Steve Scalise returns, if they let him out, of the hospital from cancer treatment, saying the vote could come as early as next week, and this is not over yet. So back then to the sycophant whiner from the New York Times. But he won't be alone, says the piece, because Republicans have also filed articles of impeachment against the senile puppet Joseph Biden, as well as Secretary of State Blinken, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, the military's general executioner by lethal injection. Got to wonder if he's even still animated. The head of the American Gestapo, Merrick Garland, and FBI director and traitor extraordinaire Christopher Wray. While threatening to also impeach those who are richly deserving of it, like Transportation Secretary, what a laugh, Pete Butt is gay, and Education Secretary, no, let's correct that, Secretary of Indoctrination for Little Kitties, oh yeah, and let's not forget Surgeon General de Genitalia, Miguel Cardona. Listen to this, quote, but impeachment, once seen as perhaps the most serious check on corruption and abuse of power developed by the founders, well, folks, it's been reduced to nothing at this point, now looks in danger of becoming a constitutional dead letter. That's the only thing in this story that's actually true. Because if you can't impeach scumbags and traitors like the people just listed for outright in-your-face treason, why even bother having it in the Constitution? Next item, and this is certainly a related story, but hey, aren't they all? From Defense One AP and a whole bunches of three-letter so-called news agencies, more than a billion bucks worth of high-tech military aid sent to the black hole in Ukraine has been lost. Well, some stories say incorrectly tracked, which is the same thing, only dumbed down and soft pedal for the socialist Kool-Aid drinkers. So says the Department of Defense, sick investigator, sick general. Most of the missing weaponry are missiles, including anti-aircraft stingers and anti-tank javelins, and such monitoring should include tracking when the weapons are either expended or lost. But the trouble is, the IG found that U.S. officials, sick, didn't bother to keep track of weapons databases in a timely manner due to a whole host of problems, understaffing, security concerns, communication issues. What we've got here is... Failure to communicate. 
And, oh, I think they left out outright fraud, criminal intent, and, uh, yeah, let's say it one more time, treason. Because I have a related story from Great Game India, which in general, folks, seems to be a lot more reliable than the New York Times, quoting an unknown official saying that the weapons sent to Kiev have now been found in the possession of several, at least of our favorite terrorist groups and major benefactors of American largesse, it would seem, Mexican drug cartels, and Hamas. What could possibly go wrong? Uh-huh. Well, exactly what is intended to. And that's why the impeachment is a bit overdue. And let's not forget that if the Mexican drug cartels got them, so do their bosses, the Communist Chinese Party, and those that are invading in mass across the non-existent southern border. On then to another aspect of the treason and why impeachment is too little too late, Representative Thomas Massey accused the traitorous Mayorkas of being involved in the obstruction of Congress scandal related to the felonious deletion of January 6th text messages and other items that were supposed to be provided to the oversight body that allegedly impaneled these bunch of traitors to begin with. According to a Jack Smith filing back in December, he said the DOJ may be a part of the scandal of the missing, and he puts that in quotes, Secret Service text messages. They deleted texts from January 6th and destroyed their phones after being told by Congress to preserve them, said Massey on Monday. Obstruction of Congress occurred under Secretary Mayorkas, unquote, and uh, yep, just call it one more count. Massey went on to point out other crimes that were committed by, uh, well, people that are clearly above the law and, of course, therefore were not investigated, sick, by the uh, Secret Service or the DHS or anybody else for that matter. Here's another item, different aspect of the same problem. Call it wide-scale, even enforced incompetence as a result of various acts of treason. This one comes from Christina Layla and the Gateway Pundit about a new report which reveals that, yeah, D.I.E., diversity, inclusion, and equity really does mean die, and it's increasingly obvious that's intentional, or at bare minimum, stupid to the point of suicide. You may recall that earlier this month, a large piece of a Boeing 737 MAX owned by Alaska Airlines blew out of the plane in midair, and the door flew off amid that focus on DIE and idiotic hiring practices that take precedence over little trivial things like passenger safety and keeping airplanes intact until they reach the ground at their destination. Well, according to a new report released by the National Transportation Safety Board on Tuesday, the door panel that blew out... Ready for this, folks? Actually, didn't have any bolts installed at all. Are you stupid or something? I'm as stupid as a stupid does. And the faulty door plug was manufactured by Spirit Aerosystems in Malaysia. And said the NTSB, a picture of the plane in a factory in Renton, Washington, revealed the lack of bolts. Said Boeing President and CEO Dave Calhoun in a statement after the embarrassing revelation, quote, Whatever final conclusions are reached, Boeing is accountable for what happened. Do you think? Well, folks, we haven't seen any evidence of that so far, because if so, maybe they'd come right out and renounce their DIE hiring practices and say, hey, competence that'll amount to something, maybe even starting at the CEO level. An event like this, contending the quote, must not happen on an airplane that leaves our factory. We simply must do better for our customers and their passengers. We're implementing a comprehensive plan, bloody, bloody, bloody BS, to strengthen quality and the confidence of our stakeholders. Well, right there, you blew it, because stakeholders don't care. Shareholders might. Customers do, and that includes passengers. And certainly those people who actually have a vested interest in making sure that the planes are what you claim they are, and that woke, politically correct, downright idiotic sideshows like D.I.E. have no place whatsoever being mandated by broke-back bureaucrats and communist lackeys in a free society. 
or even one that intends to survive much longer. Which brings me finally to at least a bit of good news, even if it's arguably blowback from the intended destruction of a once-free country. We'll start with this piece. I like the summary from the Daily Mail out of the UK. Donald Trump wins the Nevada primary, even though he wasn't on the ballot. Voters picked none of the above over boosting Nikki Newcomb Haley and other rhino non-playable characters. Actually, the choice was none of these candidates, but you get the picture. The story calls it an embarrassing defeat for Dr. Strangelove's favorite feminist in the Nevada Republican primary, even though Donald Trump wasn't on the ballot, because the former South Carolina governor and wannabe nuclear-armed dictator lost by almost 27 points to none of these candidates, an option that was given to voters in the Silver State in the first of two primary contests this week. Haley claimed, of course, that the election was rigged for the ex-president because, well, people like him, or for that matter, none of the above, better than they do her. Well, personally, I guess I would prefer a Labrador Retriever. At least they're trustworthy. Here's more good news. In what was called a stunning development, Rona Romney McDaniel, the embattled chair rhino of the Republican National Committee, is set to resign from her position following the 24 February South Carolina GOP primary, as reported by the aforementioned New York Times. And this comes, notes the story, after Donald Trump met with Ronna McDaniel at the Mar-a-Lago estate following his prediction that there would be changes within the RNC. Well, it's more than about time, but at least she finally gets credit for not being utterly shameless. And by the way, TGP in their coverage notes that you might want to remember that donations to the feckless Republican Party have reached an eight-year low under the infamous leadership, sick, of Ronna McDaniel. And Politico is also reporting that Mike Reed, chief of staff for the RNC, is also set to resign from his position later this month. By Friday, there were still some questions to how this would play out. Confirmation in the form of denials, as usual, and even blaming Donald Trump for it. So uh, maybe it really is going to happen. Item, yeah, one more related story. Arguably still good news, but maybe on the blowback. Thousands of Irish have filled the streets in Dublin, Ireland, Monday in a protest against the migrant invasion plaguing that island nation. Protesters carried Irish flags, signs, and banners with slogans such as Ireland is full and, uh uh-oh, Irish lives matter, a phrase that has come under fire by leftist globalists and other communists because, yeah, it's hate speech. When you folks, you subhuman deplorables, you say it. And now Ireland's media minister has that for an Orwellian turn of phrase. Catherine Martin has called on the public to report any hate speech online for potential prosecution under the new anti-speech laws there. And despite the massive protests as TGP's coverage, the Irish media has tried to cover up and downplay the number of Irish citizens that are simply fed up with what's been done to their country. Actual Irish journalist Niall Boylan wrote on X that it's, quote, quite disappointing that most of the media have chosen to ignore the protests against the government's immigration policy in Dublin yesterday. Those that did report it played down the numbers and ensured that it was portrayed in a very negative light. Remember, he continued, this is a policy that more than three quarters of the population disagree with, citing a Red Sea poll. I have no doubt that there were negative elements within both protests, but the vast majority are just concerned and frustrated, and they're citizens who feel voiceless. You would have expected at least some of the media to applaud so many people turning out in solidarity to object to a government policy that the majority of Irish people agree has been reckless. And here, folks, I have to add, to put it mildly, the media in Ireland have lost their way completely, he continued, and are playing to the government's tune and most hang their heads in shame. So he concluded, well done to the thousands of people who peacefully protested in Dublin and exercised their constitutional right to peaceful assembly. 
unquote. And I think this very famous speech, and it should be more famous, from the classic late 1970s movie Network, which just keeps turning out to be more and more prescient all the time, deserves even more of a reprise today. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! And the man the story called the Mad Prophet of the Airwaves was right, folks, almost half a century ago, and he's even more right today. Which leads me to do a couple more thoughtful pieces next that seem especially apropos in a time like this. Starting with this piece from James Howard Kunstler that I think sets the tone. It's entitled Brace for Impact, and that at least seems apropos. The Biden viewers quote, victory dance down in South Carolina on the old Democratic Party plantation where they grow votes didn't last long, he begins. By Sunday, a rogue satellite named Tucker Carlson was spotted orbiting over, say it with me, Russia, Russia, Russia. A country, as he notes, that you have to say three times so people understand just how serious it is. Carlson threatens to actually sit down in the same room with Putin, Putin, Putin. The antithesis of the senile Biden viewer, he calls him Joe Biden and always puts it in quotes, since Putin actually operates as head of state. And the real threat of Tucker is, and he might convey Mr. P's thoughts and opinions to the American people via the rascally social media platform now known as X. Do you realize, says Kunstler, the danger of exposing Americans to what this Putin character might say, hearing him express his thoughts about the world situation in a leisurely format, which Putin actually does regularly among his own people, says Kunstler. Yeah, I've seen him do it. This is liable to inform Americans that their own political leadership is a party of nothing more than mental illness. And I think maybe he's being too kind. Anyway, even without this new provocation of the Carlson-Putin tete Folks in the land of the free and the home of the brave have begun to grok just how insane things really have gotten under the Joe Biden blobism. And that darn conversation comes just exactly at the moment when our Senate, well, no, folks, it's not our Senate, it's the bought and paid for whore Senate, is attempting to package a bill tying a $60 billion additional money printing taxpayer gift to Ukraine with the so-called border security law that will forbid anything more than, oh, seems like it's up now to 8,500 invaders per day to enter the U.S. illegally. What a great deal, right? Or, well, maybe not. On the House side of Congress, Mike Johnson says, no way, Jose. So he says, do you really want to chance that this Putin guy might actually explain calmly and clearly to folks here how our own sick State Department cooked up this war in Ukraine and then keeps it going month after month? Figures like ex-conservative Billy Crystal, now cheerleading for the blob, wants to prevent the Tucker Carlson satellite from re-entering the U.S. after its visit to Moscow. Crystal is apparently under the illusion that we're at war with Russia. Well, maybe it's a delusion, folks, and he's working hard to make it real. Well, says Counselor, somebody please inform him this is just not so. Because strictly speaking, Russia is just another European nation. Americans can, for the time being anyway, still visit on a visa. That's a fact, Jack. 
And if you happen to be there and you're a journalist and Putin, Putin, Putin agrees to an interview, well, you could sit down and actually talk to the guy and record it and let people around the world decide for themselves what to think about it. And that's dangerous. Bill Crystal doesn't trust you to make decisions like that. Here's a tweet that Jim Kunstler includes in the piece. Crystal says, perhaps we need a total and complete shutdown of Tucker Carlson reentering the United States until our country's representatives, what a blithering moron, can figure out what's going on. But notice he doesn't have a problem with 5,000 or so invaders coming across the open border while he pontificates about this idiocy. Writes Jim Kunstler, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little, uh, I don't know, fascist-y to me, which is the dirty secret of the party of mental illness that the folks in the USA are beginning to finally grok. All that blather about our democracy is just a smokescreen for their lust to shut down free speech at any and all costs and push everybody around. It'll be interesting to see, he says, who shows up at the jetway when Mr. Carlson actually does land back in America, the FBI maybe. With a set of leg irons, like they did with Peter Navarro, Mr. Putin might also explain how immigration works in Russia, 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 where at least you have to fill out an application, explain who you are, and maybe even be evaluated as worthy in order to enter. Not everybody makes the grade. But surprise, 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 not everybody seeks to enter a country with good intentions. Can you imagine that? The party of mental illness in America doesn't believe that anyone can have less than good intentions. Well, no, folks, I think he's probably being too kind again. They know that a lot of these people are, in fact, foreign soldiers or gang members or worse, and they're happy about it. As a matter of fact, come on in. They're subsidizing them and shipping them off with bus passes and free plane tickets to wherever they want to go and join up with their cells. And here Kunstler obviously sees through it because, well, he says, that's just what they pretend. The truth is they're mentally ill. So anyone at all can drift across the Mexican border into the USA. They call it diversity and inclusion, but it's really a thought problem. We're letting a lot of people in with probably less than good intentions. The home folks are getting a bit riled up about it, too. The home folks are certainly not falling for Nikki Haley's bullshit. Nikki Haley's trying to out-Biden the Biden Fuhrer. She appeared the other night as a featured guest star on The Blob's favorite comedy show Saturday Night Live doing her impression of a mentally ill presidential candidate, which admittedly she excels at. She's represented by the Blob's CIA talent agency, and that's the same agency that handles the vote tabulation machines all around the USA. So let's just see how well Nuki does in the South Carolina Republican sick primary coming up February 24th. Remember, Joe Biden got 97% of the vote there last week. Stunning and awesome. Can Nukem Nikki top that? Well, concludes James Howard Kunstler, here we are. The zephyrs of spring are hardly nascent, and even in the cruel depths of winter, we're still beginning to see an uprising stir throughout western sieve. The farmers seem to have had enough of being pushed around, overtaxed, and blustered, and they've taken the lead in disrupting the bad intentions of the Euro blob. Meanwhile, the American truck convoy headed to Texas to assist those folks in controlling the border that the USA blob refuses to control seem to have managed, at least for now, not to get entrapped. J6 style. The court cases against Mr. Trump are wobbling like a buck 99 gyroscope. And who's not horrified by the act that E. Jean Carroll put on with Rachel Madcow on MSNBC? If you saw that, folks, and I hope you didn't, it was nothing but... Uh, she's a nutcase. Let's just be clear about it. This, says Jim Kunstler, is political mental illness in a neat snapshot. Do you really want your country to be like that? And uh, all I can add, folks, because I think he said it pretty well, is too late. 
It certainly is. The question is just whether or not people are going to wake up and see it, which leads me to another story that I think deserves a little bit of attention today on a uh, quiet news day from Susan Duclos on the All News Pipeline. We cannot compromise, says the headline, with those that, and here's something that your host has been saying for a while, so clearly want us dead. Because no doubt about it, the divide between Republicans and Democrats present day is wider than it's ever been before in our history. Because what conservatives find outrageous and what Democrats become enraged about are so far apart that there's simply no middle ground. After all, how does one find middle ground with people who think that giving children puberty blockers and giving double mastectomies to teenage girls is not only okay, but who actively encourage such things? And not only that, folks, they want to force other people's children to have it done to them. How do you find middle ground with people who think allowing millions and millions of illegal immigrants, mostly military-aged men, to invade America over the last three years is anything except the evil invasion that it is? And I'll add one more element, who believe that Satanism is protected by the First Amendment, but reading scripture in public or teaching it to children, unlike the crap they teach, is not. How do conservatives who love and want to protect this nation find middle ground with those who think America is racist and that to secure the border is cruel and to protect children from surgical mutilation is somehow invasive? The fact of the matter, she says, is that there is no middle ground. You simply cannot make deals with those that negotiate in bad faith. You cannot reason with the unreasonable. You cannot compromise with those who want you dead. And here she goes to an example I have used for literally as long as this idiocy has been so manifest. There's simply no way to talk to someone that screeches about their right to kill the unborn because, you know it, right? My body, my choice, while at the same time pushing for mandates that would force people, not your body, not your choice, to insert an experimental not vaccine into their bodies. If abortion was a completely partisan issue for conservative Republicans, well, then we'd encourage the left to kill all their babies. So we'd have less progressive, far-left socialists. Oh, wait, no, she missed the boat on that one. They're just importing them by the millions, so it doesn't matter. Examples, of course, abound. And since you've heard most of these disgusting stories, I don't really need to repeat them. But uh, look at the most liberal states in America. Well, two of them anyway, California and New York. Where the more they push the idiocy, the further off the cliff they go. Look at the Bond villain Alejandro Mayorkas, whose attempt to secure the border looks like Hans Blofeld securing the world against the menace of James Bond. The bottom line, and I think she's awakened to what most of us are finally figuring out, we once had a political system that required negotiation and compromise to get something done. But today, getting nothing done is far better than allowing things to continue in the direction of absolute destruction that has been the course charted by those that have rigged the system, undermined it, and destroyed it, and aren't finished yet. And by trying to appear to be reasonable, the rhinos that aid and abet this destruction are on the wrong team. And we better wake up and realize it. Because, folks, it's probably already too late. So at the very least, you'd better be paying attention and making some contingency plans.